Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another wonderful Art of War podcast. I'm your other host, Nick Nandavati. Unfortunately, John Damaris uh, couldn't make the schedule this week, but we got the other John, Mr. Lennon, here to kind of talk with us. And along with that, we also have Tank Roberts. And I felt like this would be a great show because Tank Roberts just won the list or just wrote the list that won the Las Vegas Snowpin. For those of you who don't know, that was an intercontinental intercollaborative streams tournament that was held across multiple channels and for 40k really cool really awesome check it out it's all over youtube and various channels um so tank wrote the list that won that and then it was played by john lennon here in the finals so i figured what better way to get the show rolling than get tank and john in the same room talking about their ideas together how are you guys doing tonight yeah all good over here um really excited to be on the show and um it's good that uh, we can sort of expand and talk further because uh Myself and John didn't get much chance to discuss it in detail uh, in the interviews afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, happy to be here as well. Um, I had a great time with the list, so uh, I think it'll be really fun to sit here and talk with the original creator, uh, talk about all the things that went into it, because uh, I thought it was a very cool list and uh, certainly one worthy of a podcast. All right. So for those of you who aren't familiar with our format or ARB, this is going to be a bit of a departure from usual we're going to go through with Tank and John and explain what the ideas for this were from a strategic level, kind of like we normally do, and then also talk about how John thought it was supposed to play, where they aligned and differed, and kind of get the discussion going from there. And we're going to wrap it up with maybe how they'd each change the list moving forward. Uh, and in part two, which would normally be the t- matchup discussion, exactly that. We're going to talk through the creator and the player and go through how they'd approach each matchup. From the competitive perspective so are you guys ready to get this show on the road let's mm-hmm. do it all right mr tank why don't you take us from top to bottom from your masterpiece okay so the list is uh we've got a bloody rose sisters battalion um the warlord is a canoness uh who's got litany of faith and beacon of faith so she's essentially a um a miracle dice factory uh then we've got a missionary um who sort of buffs the repentia and also allows us to take um, the Death Cult Assassins. Uh, then we've got three units of uh, just basic sisters as troops, uh, two units of eight repentia, uh, one of the best combat units in the game, obviously. Uh, two units of two Death Cult Assassins who are uh, just really good cheap screening and action monkey units. Uh, then we've got three units of uh, five retributors with um, two multi-melters and two cherubs in each squad. And because there were some spare points, we've got uh, two of them have got a uh, combi flamer on the superior. Uh, and then there's two rhinos, which um, generally the repentia ride in, but there's sort of you can do all sorts with rhinos, as everyone knows. And you, you've got a lot of deployment options with them. Um, and then I suppose like the the sort of unconventional secret sauce was mixing in the custodies. Uh, so we we had a shadow keepers patrol. Uh, we had Trajan, a shield captain, uh, who you spend free CP on, 
uh, when you're building your list to make him almost indestructible. So uh, I'm a bit like Nick where I know what things do, but I don't know the names of them. Uh, but you give it through a warlord trait, a relic, and a captain commander trait. He has a free up invulnerable save, a five up feel no pain, and uh, an extra two wounds, which takes him to nine. Um, and then finally, there's the uh, the shield wall part of the list. Um, two units of five, sword and board, custody guard, and that rounds out the list. Awesome. So really good list there. We got sisters, we got custodies. That's, as you said, not really a conventional pairing. You normally see mono sisters or custodies with like Imperial Guard or something of that nature. What made you combine these two? Um, to be honest with you, the, the development of a list, it's quite a long and rambling story, but it is quite interesting if you'd like me to share how I arrived at this combination. Um, That's what you're here to do, share, share, yeah. share. I, I know caring. that you, you guys generally teach to make small adjustments to your list as you go along. Yeah, My, so. this journey that you're gonna gonna go on now, it's uh it's sort of a story of uh like sweeping changes and factions getting chopped and uh wholesale changes from game to game. But so essentially um the list actually start, started out as Admech. Um I was playing Admech at the end of last year. Um I'd been watching I actually watched uh Siegler playing them on your streams. And uh, I actually fell in love with him when I watched a game when uh, he quite comically tabled you with orcs. And um, you, you sort that of took it well, and it's hilarious, but it, it made me sort of uh, fall in love with Admet because I love a shooting army, as you know. And uh, in the absence of my Tau being good, uh, I sort of fancied a bit of those. And as, I, um, I, as you know, I had uh, Mr. Siegler write me a list for Admet. Um, and I love the list, and I got a few games in with it. Um, and as I started to develop that list by myself, it was starting to really get to me that when I was writing lists, um, I, I had two drills with priests in each one, uh, which were like my counter charge, essentially. And it was really getting to me that that sort of counter charge plug-in was costing me pretty much 800 points, sort of like 170 for 10 priests and 180 for a drill. Uh, times two and I, I i have a sister's army as well which i really enjoy playing um and i was absolutely in love with repentia um and it was killing me that for kind of 200 points i could have nine repentia and a rhino at the time versus 400 for a drill and 10 priests so i came around to the idea of having um essentially an admet gun line with uh repentia counter charge like two or three units so then I have to sort of give some credit to um, my sort of playtest friends. Um, they're actually two sort of drinking buddies of yours, Nick, um, Dan Brooke and Alex Harrison. Um, so I came to, to playtest the Admech and the, with the Countercharge sisters uh, against Alex on TTS. And um, he actually he came along with two lists that he'd been playing around with. They were both like horrendous. One was... One was like six Admech flyers and 12 chickens, like a classic European list. Uh, the other was um, like Iron Hands Dreadnought spam. I'd like kind of like three Redemptors and two Leviathans and some other stuff. And um, I sort of looked at them both and I was sort of like, he was like, which one do you want to play against? And I was like, oh, the Dreadnoughts. 
like, <laughs> between a rock and a hard place. And um, basically, I, I ended up shooting kind of 800 points of Admech with five CP and call, and I couldn't kill like one Redemptor Dreadnought. And I kind of decided it wasn't Admech's time at that point because we're from relying a lot on two damage, and there's a lot more minus one damage coming into the game. And also minus one AP with all the good armor saves. Um, I thought like if you're running a gun line and, and you can't get it to delete something when you'd need to when it points its head out, it, it's sort of not really a legitimate gun line. And I actually saw it repeated in a game that you and John had where you were using the uh, Death Watch and uh, John had the Admech. And he I think he had a similar problem where with the minus one AP, the Admech just just couldn't take off a, a sort of fat, fatty marine unit when they needed to. Yeah, that game was definitely, uh, it was actually against Siegs, but a real showcase of some of Admech's flaws there. Yeah, I mean, it always, not not baffles me, but um, it quite often comes up as a, on a discussion of these shows how disgusting the Admech are. Um, but I, I found them actually to be really limited into um, a lot of the armies in the meta just because the minus one AP and the two damage, which they have loads of. Um, but I'm sure the time will come with new books and things. But uh, to so, progress, all right, Admech's not cutting it though. So then you decide yeah. to go to Sisters. So to progress, yeah, progress the story. I went more to uh, I went to actually Pure Sisters for a spell there, and um, as everyone knows, they're a really good army. Uh, but I was having a real problem with them, um, sort of having any kind of board control and holding the middle and playing the primary because um, they, they tend to like to sort of hide behind walls and um, sort of make surgical strikes against people. But they don't like being pressured really hard all, with loads of things all at once. And um, they tend to like drip feed dribs and drabs onto objectives and things and into like board areas, but they can never really sit there. And I always felt like um, it was a bit of an uphill battle just because they weren't really durable enough. So the next sort of evolution was I actually souped in Space Wolves. And I know you'd done it with Dreadnoughts, uh, but I was doing it with, um, I had some Incursors, some Eliminators. Um, I actually had some Wolfen for Countercharge because I, I was playing around with the fight on death, putting them behind walls and things. Um, but I, again, I just didn't find they were durable enough. And um, throughout all this, my one of my my best friends and sort of playing uh, buddies, Dan Brook, he's been working really hard on his game with uh, Pure Custodies. Um, and a lot of the test games were actually against him. Um, and it was the fact that his Custodies were so frustrating to play against um, when they played well that it led to me having the idea. I was just sort of, what can I get to to have the sort of mid-board presence that I want uh, for the sisters to kind of uh, like vibe off. And um, one day I just said to him, oh, I had 909 points of Space Wolves. Uh, what custodies can I get for that? And we had a bit of a chat and uh, uh, we came up with the, the what, you, what you saw in this list. And then yeah, um, I really... Yeah. Uh, I really like the concept overall. I am a sisters player and I recognize the exact problem, which was, uh, you know, like you said, you don't really board control that well. You're not tough. There's nothing. Sisters are tough for their points, I always say, but they're not actually tough. Mm -hmm. So great. I solved that with the custodians, I thought. 
John, you actually played the army. What did you think of the overall concept? Absolutely. Um, I love the concept. Um, I've played a pretty good amount of custodies throughout ninth edition, uh, as well as a decent amount of sisters. So uh, I definitely like immediately like, you know, like once I actually saw the list together, I was like, oh, this is actually cool. Admittedly, I didn't think about myself, even though I played the two armies separately. Um, but I, I did really like, you know, and especially how you took that path through all of the Imperium allies, all the way to finally landing on the custodies. I mean, you know, you start at the bottom, work your way to the top, and uh, there's not much above a custodian guard holding a storm shield. Um, but I love the way that you added in, you know, those really durable units. I love the way that they kind of cover sisters' weaknesses, where sisters have so much power and so many tricks. And, you know, Nick has often lamented in our streams that they're great, but they don't have real staying power, just kind of situational staying power. And also, they sometimes struggle with secondary objectives. And uh, I absolutely loved, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but I love the way that the custodians complemented that because the things that custodians struggle with are not being dynamic enough and not being able to go out and kill something while they are dominant at durability and scoring secondaries. <laughs> and it's just a complete opposite from where sisters are right now. So I thought that they were a wonderful kind of yin-yang pairing. Uh, I was really excited. You know, once I actually started reading and thinking about the list, I was excited to get them on the table. Yeah, I can mm. definitely see that. It seemed like you really knew what you were doing with it on playing. And we kind of assigned you this army since it was the two things you had the most experience with out of all of us. So that makes sense. Um, Tank, for you on the list design phase, it's hard to take a sister's army and, and gut it as you did because you you kept the power units, you know, double Rapunzia and, and three Retributors, Malsy Meltas. You know, that's that's raw awesomeness. But then, like, there is no Imagifier. There's no real Miracle Dice Tenderson or, like, no Triumph or anything like that. Um, you, you skipped a lot of the the nuances, like you know, you have to choose whether my repenter are going to go in the rhino or my retributors, things like that. So, how did you come to terms with that, and then just accept the custodies are worth it? Because on top of all the the little stuff, you're also giving up sacred rights too. Yeah, I, I just um, first the sacred right, sacred rights are very good, but I felt like the uh, what the custodies brought to the table massively outweighed that loss. Um, and with regard to to sort of cutting back on all uh, the nice to haves but not must haves, um, I actually just feel like I don't know. I, I'm I'm quite a straightforward guy, and I like a list that's quite straightforward to play because then I can sort of focus on what's going on more. Um, and I just sort of um, sort of pulled it back to just what I felt were the the sort of bare essentials, really. Um, with getting the two miracle dice a turn and the ones that you get for killing units and what have you, um, and being able to re-roll one once a turn, I, I generally found that to be plenty because quite this list tend because um, you've got the custodies there, you you can uh, essentially. Um, not do much for a couple of turns, the first two turns, and just play the primary. Um, and that usually lets you sort of um, have a couple of turns to build up a few Miracle Dice um, and, and perhaps get a few nice like fives and sixes in there. So that as the, the game kind of comes to a head around turn three and four, you've usually got like a quite a good bank. And I noticed in the final, uh, John ended up with loads. He actually... He was a bit unlucky and he rolled quite badly on his miracle dice in that game, but you do end up with more dice than you think. And I think the way the the list was designed, the sisters element was designed to not need to castle up 
and sit in a bunch. Um, I designed it thinking I wanted them to be able to spread the board uh, and play sort of MSU style around the custodies and um, where you lose a bit of efficiency and reliability with a few less support characters. I was prepared to just take that on the chin and um, I guess just roll well when I need to. Yeah, that was one of the things that I really noticed was um, the custodies could absolutely kind of shoulder the mantle for those early turns. Oftentimes when you're playing pure sisters, I feel like if you don't have good miracle ice early on, you kind of struggle to do things on turn one and two. And sometimes that's fine. But if your opponent's being very proactive about the mission and you can't really engage them for a turn or two, I, I've run into some trouble with sisters in the past. I love that, you know, in this game, again, I kind of had some weak miracle dice. The custodians were able to really, you know, take the load off my shoulders there and go out and do primary while I waited to build up those miracle dice. You know, if I felt like I had to make plays with Repentia where I maybe didn't have the miracle dice to do what I needed to do, uh, I felt like I could have really struggled there. Um, let's see. For you, Tank, did you notice when you were playing Pure Sisters that um, you had kind of some of those similar troubles where you maybe didn't quite get to uh, do what you wanted early on if you had bad miracle dice? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it can be really tough to play the primary with PR sisters, especially into very durable armies like custodies. And I'd imagine Death Guard would be the same. And the, the custodies, they just give you that ability to to kind of get out and you kind of put pressure on your opponent by uh, by really like taking the the initiative on the primary and and sort of forcing you sort of forcing them to make decisions and come to you. Um, and then you can sort of choose your engagements with your uh, your repenture and your retributors rather than them sort of putting the onus on you. Absolutely. I loved how the custodians gave you really good early game momentum. And uh, I think like you mentioned, uh, sisters do feel so strong on turn like three and four. Yeah, when I was um, when I developed the list and I was starting to play test it, um, one of the actual um, the real key points was um, when I decided to start taking while we stand we fight on the uh, the custodian guard and Trajan. Um, it, it it seems like a really sort of counterintuitive thing to do to to put it on the two units that you're going to be push the three units that you're going to be pushing out and being aggressive with. And um, I have to give credit where it's due. It was actually um, a conversation with Alex Harrison that led to that. Because um, I don't know where he came up with it from, but I'd actually had, um, I'd just had a, a play testing game on Tabletop Simulator against Blood Angels. Because uh, for one, I wanted to know how some of the exchanges could potentially go in that game. And for another thing, uh, Mikey and I had agreed that um, if the Slanesh had won from your guys' game, I was going to be using the Slanesh no matter what. And if the Necrons had won, which it did, Mikey was going to be using them no matter what. So if if the Slanesh had won, I was actually going to be passing the Custodies on to Mikey to use. Um, and potentially if the Blood Angels had beaten my sister's list, uh, I would have had to pilot the Blood Angels into the uh, into the Necrons, so I, I wanted to do it to, to test the game out to see how it would go, um, and also it was an opportunity for me to sort of learn Blood Angels a bit by playing against them. And um, well, that we, would have been quite the 
the moment you know you wrote your own list yeah. that wins the open but you don't actually get to play it oh that would have sucked <laughs> yeah i mean um, we i'm actually, glad it worked out for you we wanted the worst case scenario when we did the tabletop simulator game so we sort of didn't even roll we just said blood angels are going first and um i actually lost that game um primarily through picking bad secondaries but if blood angels go first it does make it really hard because the they kind of yolo the deaf company like they do and even if you don't give them a good trade with a deaf company you find that you have to keep things back to deal with them and perhaps shoot your guns into things in your own lines instead of across the table um and it, it just means you're kind of pinned for a turn and instead of getting board position you're sort of clearing up this deaf company um, and then the next wave comes in and Although you you tend to almost table them by the time the game finishes, uh, they've got all the momentum and you sort of uh, you're pinned in and you don't get out till it's too late. Um, so I didn't take while we stand in, and I was sort of discussing how that game went with Alex, and and he was like, "I think you need to take while we stand, we fight." And I was like, "Oh, but I'm putting them out in front. Is that smart?" And he was like. He was like, they're, they're too tough. People won't kill them. And I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll trust you and see how it goes. And it worked out. So, yeah, I think that's really what the what sisters are lacking. In addition to being able to comfortably stand in the middle and just take it on the chin with some board control, which is like the studies give. They also give while we stand, we fights, which sisters kind of lost since the new update. Mm. You could probably make triumph of all these things we fight. But then it's very easily going to be Retributors or Repentia or Zephyrum, all units you kind of want to suicide. So it's a real challenge, and you solved it really beautifully. I do have a question, though, as far as why Custodes guard with Storm Shields. The, uh, what is it called these days? What is, everyone, what is it, the trademark you did? The hashtag? Shield, oh, the shield wall. Shield wall. That's what it is. I'm not <laughs> hip to these new families. Yeah, they're just... Um, because they're... Um, Anyone who's not aware who doesn't sort of do custodies, um, if you take a, a pure custodies detachment, um, you get plus one to your invulnerable save as well as everything being obsec. So um, it means that um, custodies storm shields are still uh, free up invulnerable save. Um, and that that also makes because they get the plus one armor as well. The the kind of uh, straight out the box are a, a one up armor save with a free up invulnerable save, and on a, a toughness five body with three wounds, it's it's quite obscenely durable really. And, and you layer on top, you've got access to the shadow keeper stratagem, which can be sort of minus one strength to an incoming attack. Um. You can spend two CP to turn off rerolls against a unit, and that's just not for just one attack. That's for like the whole army. So, um, like a, a whole guard gun line could shoot at them, and well, they're actually a bad example because they don't get a lot of rerolls. But a whole marine gun line could shoot at them, and you could turn off the rerolls for the whole gun line against that one unit. Uh, and then they've got transhuman for two CP as well, which. Uh, we know how strong that is. <laughs> Indeed, we do. Um, yeah, I I absolutely love that. You know, all the different buffs that you can put on them. Um, I did have a question though. Um, did you ever have any trouble with command points? Uh, both sisters and custodies kind of like to have command points, and in my game, I, I kind of made it work by only really operating one half of the army at a time, where I was only trying to power one half of the, of the army at a time. 
But uh, I'm curious, um, you know, in your testing games and in your other games, list, did you ever have any CP trouble? Yeah, I did. Um, actually, an earlier version of the list, I had two Cannon S's and I spent two CP to, um, to make one into the Smash Cannon S um, with uh, Beneficence and the, um, the Reroll Wounds Warlord trait. Uh, so I was starting the game with five, uh, and it just wasn't enough at all. Um, I start with seven uh, this way. Um, and of course, um, with Trajan's Moment Shackle, he gives you um, a free stratagem once per game, as long as you don't uh, get him killed before that. And that can be any stratagem, even a sister's one. So um, in one of the games, I used it for the uh, Repentia to fight twice for free CP. Uh, I just got that for free. So that mitigates it a bit, but you you do have to be stingy. And um, if you know that you're going to need to use those uh, defensive stratagems to keep the, the shield wall up, um, you, you do need to be very stingy and not waste it on sort of frivolous rerolls and things. Um, the, the sisters actually don't need that much. Um, you just need like one CP here and there for pretty much all I spend on the sisters is uh, sort of like advance and charge and plus one to wound. But Repentia don't generally kill things well enough without the plus one to wound even. So they just need advance and charge now and again. Um, and I just tend to save everything else to uh, uh, buff the shield wall defensively with those really strong straps. I could definitely see how your uh, your army can like get by with its CP if you're very meticulous with it. But you're not really you're getting by with your miracle dice. You're getting by with your CP. So that's good enough until you know your retributors don't just do flat six damage over and over, or your pincher don't fly twenty seven inches. And do whatever. And if you do do all that, then maybe you don't have enough for uh, ignoring the AP and ignoring rerolls and tangle footing as much as you want. So, how do you kind of make the choices? Or at least, John, you played it as well. How did you make the choices? Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll take my half first. Um, what I was really looking at was anything that was giving me odds of survival was more important than than killing. That was kind of what I looked at it as, uh, because I, I thought I had more opsec, and if we were both on the objectives, that I would win. Um, I, I thought that the most important thing I could do is still have offset custodies on objectives. And so I was, you know, I was specifically not looking at, um, doing advance and charge very often. I actually don't think I advanced and charged or pinch at all. Um, I think I just got, tried to get closer into an turn. Um, and I didn't really reroll anything other than like important saving throws. And I kept using my strategies on defensive things. Cause I was like, all right, as long as I've got the shield while alive, I feel like I'm at an advantage. So for me, it wasn't just about killing you. And in, in our one specific game, as you saw, there were quite a few vehicles left for the Dark Elder at the end. But I kept focusing on having Custodes alive. You know, I, I kept doing minus one strength. I, I shut off, uh, I did transhuman on Trajan once when he was getting shot at by these, these big Dark Elder vehicles. I kept going for those priority plays where as long as I have models alive, I'll be able to do some damage next turn. Um, rather than trying to front load all my damage in one turn and not having the defense later. Yeah, I think, I think John, John absolutely nails it there. Um, survival of the custodies is is absolutely key, and um, the the sort of real beauty of this setup is um, a lot of the sort of um, super tough, indestructible units and armies in 40k. 
they, they sort of rely on um, like a bit of a, a castle and being in sort of aura bubbles and being one unit supporting another. The beauty of the, the custodies, you can have your two shield wall units at kind of either side of the table and then Trajan off in some corner. And if you need to make any of those units, independent units, like super durable for a turn, uh, as long as you've got the command points, you can do it. And that's what makes the list sort of fun and um, interesting, I think. Yeah, it's got a lot of different plays to it as well. I guess you could spend your CP to outflank stuff or deep strike the custodies. Is that anything you ever did in your test games? Or, John, would you ever consider situations of doing that? Um, Yeah, I consider deep striking them for one command point, but at the end of the day, um, I've kind of found a ninth edition that with the smaller board size and just when you start start scoring primaries, I I decided pretty quickly that the job of the custodies, and I I decided, I mean, I asked Tank and he told me, uh, the job of the custodies was to score the mission and hold ground, not try to get closer and kill the opponent. Um, I, I kind of figured that as long as I can get them onto objectives early and frankly, just a good deployment and a run can get me there. Um, then any combat is going to be because you have to come to me. And that was going to be my delivery mechanism. I, I was relying on, well, Nick is fast enough to get into combat with me and you have to, otherwise you lose. So I'll just rely on that to get me close to the enemy. I'm not going to try to deep strike to get there. Yeah, I agree. The, uh, the custodies, uh, are moderately killy, but they're a lot more durable than they are killy. Um, they, they've, as we know, sort of like most Marines are running around with kind of like five attacks each or something now. The, the Custodian Guard, they, they've got sort of three like fairly high quality attack attacks. I'd prefer if they were two damage than D3, but you can't really rely on them to um, to, to sort of kill a lot of things, but you're, you're right. The we talk about the defensive stratagems. The custodians have got like a really rich, like library of very good strats. Uh, for example, if they're on an objective, they can intervene for one CP. Uh, Tangle thoughts outstanding. It's only one CP. Um, they, they they've got all sorts. They've got the the old fight in death, so you can um, you can fight, and then if you get killed, you can fight again. Um, so they've got a lot going on for them strategy wise you've you've just got to be a bit frugal with them and uh, prioritize the defensive ones i think in this list yeah i think that's that's really good advice because it's easy to get carried away with custodies and sisters and just spend all your cp in the first couple turns doing all kinds of stuff but that's just not how this list is meant to play slow and steady wins the race it's just trying to score points is that fair to say yeah definitely it can be um Via the repenture, it can be sort of explosively dynamic. Um, and if you've got some good miracle dice, you can make those big sort of uh, 20-inch pushes across the board and, and put some real damage in. So having that threat there is always nice. But, um, but yeah, by and large, you, you're looking to hold the midboard and then just make sort of surgical strikes with the sisters. And the, the idea is that your opponent will sort of... Um, hopefully hit the shield wall with their hammer units. Um, it, it's like a bit of a trap, but if they're winning the primary for you and the while we stand, we fight, you kind of have to. Um, and once you've engaged them, um, you've then got like an easy counter charge with a repensure where perhaps you don't need to spend the, the advance and charge. Um, and through sort of testing and the games I've had, um, 
those custody guard, they've been hit by a deaf company with, they got hit by a deaf company with Thunderhammers. I think it was a six man unit with um, three hammers and three chainsaws in, in assault doctrine. I think they did one wound after a transhuman. So Ooh. they'll take a, a kick in. They, and uh, I think they got hit by eight sanguinary guard. The other unit got hit by eight sanguard. Uh, I think I lost two. And then that's uh, really nice. Yeah, they're, they're very now, durable. They're so so annoying to play against. Now, one of the things I felt with the Repentia, and maybe this was because I had low Miracle Dice, was that their job really wasn't to actually go out and just kill things from across the board. It really felt like it was more of a deterrent, like to make sure that people didn't put too much into the Shield Guard at once. Because as tough as Custodes are, and they are absolutely fantastic units, I never really want to take the entire my entire like opponent's army on the chin you know, like getting shot and charged by multiple things, because I just I'm just not gonna get out of that. And if they have OPSEC and I have OPSEC, I'm gonna get outnumbered very easily. I felt like the repenter were more there as a, hey, don't commit your whole army into them, because if you do, you might get hit by the repentia. And then that stopped, you know, I feel like that kind of stopped Nick from just over committing into them. Because if he had done so, he would have gotten punished otherwise. And the combination of, you know, Nick never shot and charged with his whole army. And I had my defensive strats up, really kept them alive for a very long time. Um, did you kind of find that to be the case as well in your testing? And was that part of the thought process? Um, to be honest, I think that's, um, if I'm totally honest, I think that's a bit deeper than I thought about it. Um, I was thinking it pure, thinking of it purely in terms of the shield wall will either things will bounce off it, which they often do, or it'll at least tarp it strong units for a couple of turns. Um, and then you can counter charge with the repentia uh, and sort of clear them out. But I, I think it sort of caught some people out with n- not not realizing quite how durable they were. And I think if um, if people were to sort of experiment with taking this kind of list to events and things, and it became more popular, uh, I think it maybe it would evolve into kind of mind games in in that respect a bit more. Oh, it's really interesting the way you you phrase that, John. Because in my case specifically, I played you as the Dark Elder opponent, and I was more afraid of your multi multi retributors popping cherubs and just blowing up all my ravagers after I shot the custodies. So I had to be really particular about the angles to which I engaged the custodies, which really meant that the the retributors helped aid them in getting board control because I really didn't fight you on objectives with my with the bulk of my army. I was trying to get snipe shots, which really didn't amount to much because the custodians are just so, so difficult. It's interesting you've gone for the sword and board style, though, um, for your custodians with custodians guard tank instead of uh, more traditionally Alaris or Aquilons for that fourth wound along with legitimate firepower while they're standing there doing nothing. John slash tank, either of you, did you have an opinion on that one? I mean, yeah, Tanka, did you want to go first? Uh, that's quite a, an easy answer for me. It's just uh, uh, free, free up invulnerable versus four up invulnerable. The the four up just doesn't cut it. Um, uh, there's there's something magical about that free up invulnerable save. Like a lot of my my playtesting games, you'll sort of I'd give Dan free saves to make, or he'd give me free saves to make, and. You'd be like, right, you're going to fail one. You owe me a fail. And it, it never comes. Uh, but with that, the, the four plus plus is much more swingy. And it, it was a free up invulnerable save that I wanted. 
Yeah. It's also to that point, if you do want to spend CP rerolls, which not often, but when you do, you're very likely to pass a three up rerollable much more so than the four up reroll. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how many times I failed those. Exactly. Um, one of the things I like best is that the you can kind of simulate what um you know the one up armor save with uh, custody guard by taking the ignore AP one and two stratagem on your terminators. Um, but I love that the custodies were inherently a little cheaper. That's a I think they're a real winner from the recent FAQ. They went down in points as well as the storm shield changes. Um, they also just fill slots naturally. And I think the biggest thing is that they don't have to spend as many command points on the defensive stratagems because you definitely want to keep the sword board guard alive, but you also don't want to burn a stratagem every time you get targeted. And the yeah. big thing is that they can they can take a little bit of firepower and spend no command points, and then you've got them for the big guns later on. Yeah, that's it. The other exactly. thing is um, with the sword and board guys, you're obviously getting a zero up saving cover, uh, but with the, with the terminators, you're only getting a one up saving cover. Yeah. And with a zero up armor, you're essentially ignoring AP one and two shooting anyway. So you've just saved a command point there. And uh, you know what? For them, uh, those big weapons, you know, when people start putting the, the Ravagers into you, a three up invuln versus a four up, uh, you know, Tank said it, uh, we've seen how that can spike. Um, I was very happy with how long I kept the the last uh, the last custody guard alive. And again, you mentioned it yourself, Nick, with the rerolls. Uh, I think that man lived by the virtue of me rerolling his last wound three times, but I hit yeah. all three of them. You know, I've, actually, uh, I've actually got a bones pick with you about that particular turn, oh, John. Beautiful. Pick the um, bones tank. I, I was when Nick says I'm gonna shoot the world at that custody guard squad, uh, I was screaming at the iPad for you to transhuman that shooting phase. Yeah, I um I was honestly thinking that the uh I was thinking you'd be wounding me on threes with the big guns. I, I forgot about the plus one to wound with the, um, uh, the homunculus stuff. It. You have to declare it when he targets them, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, of course he's going to do it because it's also plus one damage. Uh, that was me not being familiar with the uh, the homunculus covenant rules. And by the time I realized that I'd already tanked the full uh, gunboats of shooting and made the three pinballs, I'm like, well, there's just one gunboat left. There's no reason mm-hmm. to transume it now. Yeah, I think, um, I think you would have had to make... Uh, four saves instead of eight if you transhuman that turn yeah no that would have uh that yeah. would have been better it would have been there, there was one turn where john rolled every save and it really yeah was. but having said that john i have to give you credit the um you sort of managed to outplayed a lot of you managed to outplay a lot of nick's jank in ways that i never would have spotted and never would have been able to cope with so so uh good job well, why don't we highlight that piloting it as much as I don't love highlighting me getting outplayed, Tink, what were the things that you saw John kind of elevating your list to do? I mean, it it could be that you guys play all the time and he's just aware of your play style, but there were one thing that stuck in my mind was he, he kind of anticipated you uh, doing the fire and fade onto an objective and managed to do something to prevent that. Um, and... There was like a little corner that had some sisters in, sort of hiding in a building, uh, and you were throwing all little bits of junk at it, like um, those little uh, Drukari characters. Mandrakes and, and Mandrakes random Medusas. And, and things yeah, like that. and um, there was all sorts of jankiness going on in that corner, and and I just remember watching, I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm glad John's dealing with this, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, wow. See, that's where I think that the we've talked a lot about the shield wall, you know, hashtag shield wall. 
But I think that's where the strength of the sisters really lies, is that while the custodies bring these wonderfully durable OBSEC units, sometimes you just put an enemy unit on one side, on you know, each side of the, the guardians, and well, they can only walk one way. And they frankly don't have the ranged firepower to really walk one way while shooting behind them, which the Terminators do kind of bring, but you know, there are other costs there. And frankly, I, I agree with you on the three of Binbold. Uh, but sisters, I thought, had so much more play for dealing with the little things that popped up. And and that's exactly what happened was I saw Nick coming in with the Mandrakes and, you know, outflanking. I think he had like he zoomed one Venom over at the same time, brought in uh, his cheap little uh, Court of the Archon um, guys as well. And um, I was just like, all right, well, I, I absolutely need to have some sisters over here to deal with this. And that's why I, I put a Retributor squad and uh, 10 of my battle sisters there to try to deal with that. Um, because, you know, with some of the little tricks that I've had that you have with sisters, you know, just outflanking little things getting Death Cult Assassins around, I just, I made sure that Nick was never going to outnumber me on that objective. Yeah, it was, um, it was so a crazy... I, I love being able to respond. It was a crazy game, that one, because um, no one saw that list come in and get into the final. Uh, and m my list wasn't designed at all with that kind of army in mind. I mean, I was thinking about Marines, other Custodies, other Sisters, um, Admech and the like, and... It, that that Drew Carey list, it was just such a different play style to to what we're used to seeing in the meta at the moment. It's quite refreshing, really. But yeah, fair play to to you for well for Nick being adapt to being able to play it, and and John to, to sort of react because it react to um, how to handle it because it's it's totally different play style to to everything we've been seeing recently. Yeah, I personally had an absolute blast playing it for exactly what you said, Tink. It, it felt like a breath of fresh air. So much of 40k is like board control the middle, steal objectives, kill each other with space marines. And then Dark Gelder come out and they're like, we're a fast shooting army. Funny how, like 8th edition, that's all it was. Anyways. Um, it's so a great point uh, John makes so that the uh, in the sort of um, the meta as we know it, which is kind of like elite infantry the the sisters do tend to be a bit useless but if things like guardsmen and elves come back into the meta a bit more the uh the basic sisters can sort of mix it up in combat a bit and and deal with things with their bolters yeah honestly just having um you know 20 bulk gun shots from a uh, two units of sisters was actually very useful when it comes to killing uh mandrakes and uh, you know similar uh dark elder units um and you know i mean we've talked a lot about how you know, sisters, you know, really have their uh, their weaknesses covered by the custodies. But I, I think we, we do really want to highlight that this goes both ways, where I, I think that this list is so much stronger than pure custodies because you have the ability to react to those things. Um, and frankly, yeah, I, I, I certainly would not have game planned on uh, pure Dark Eldar either if I was writing a list for the Las Vegas Open. That, that would not have been part of my strategy. But once I, you know, once you get on the table, sisters have so many different uh, tricks and tools and, and units to go around and do different things. And uh, I just think that the, the in-game flexibility that custodians sometimes lack, I just love the way that sisters compensate for that. Mm -hmm. John, did you ever find that your list was, or tanks list was just a little slow? Like nothing in there moves more than six inches or what miracle a dice will allow? Um, I didn't think so because um, I, I just, custodians are very good at executing a game plan where if you start, if you know where you're going to go, you can plan to get there at the right time. And now it's very hard for custodies to switch directions. But, you know, the way I looked at it was like, 
the custodies, the shield wall was walking up the table. And that just meant that I had a slightly larger and larger gap every turn in between the shield wall and my own deployment zone, where I just needed to cover that with the sisters. And as long as I had my reserves coming in and I had one or two sisters units in the middle with Miracle Vice, I could cover the whole gap. That That's kind of what I felt where I was never expecting or really trying to get into you know the back of Nick's deployment zone to tag the Ravagers. But I, I thought that as long as I pushed the shield wall up, sisters were great at covering the gaps that that might have created because Miracle Vice meant that those mid-range movements were going to be very reliable. I didn't need to go 27 inches. I just needed to go from you know, the center of that little zone in between the shield wall and my back edge, from that point, I need to be able to reach anywhere in that bubble just to stop Nick from going there. I, I just want to take a second and highlight that really quick because that's a great answer. But a lot of people would see things like double repenture rhinos and pretty much only close combat custodies units with Trajan and a shield captain and be like, this is an assault army. And, and as you just kind of pointed out, it's really not. It's more of a board control army. Tank, was that the design philosophy you had when you made it? Yeah, definitely. I, um, as I said, I've had sort of some struggles adapting to how different 9th is to 8th. And um, I wanted an army where, if nothing else, uh, it was really strong on the primary. Because um, I was in a lot of my, my games trying to get to grips with 9th. Um, I was finding I was, I was sort of tabling people and I felt like I was winning games, but I was actually losing games on points or nearly losing them. And I was like, right, I just I need to get stuck in and get on these objectives uh, and dominate the board and um, and just play that primary hard. And that was one of my main focuses, really. Going back to the mobility, Nick, um, I think it's worth mentioning um, the old indestructible shield captain who's can potentially turbo boost up to 20 inches because um, he's probably He's probably harder to kill than a knight, I'd say. And um, how far did you say he could turbo boost? So he's he's got a fourteen-inch move, and he can turbo boost twenty, can't he? Oh, I heard twenty-eight. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just my my uh, my rubbish accent. Sorry. Um, yeah, so he's obviously obsec, and he's sort of like ridiculously tough. And um, I I actually. I actually had a phone call from Manny on Sunday morning because, um, oh, you get, obviously John played Manny at LVO. Um, anyone who's not met him, he, he's like a lovely bloke. He's, he's one of the England ETC players. Um, he's got sort of infectious enthusiasm and and like a really cheerful bloke and very knowledgeable on 40K. And he rung me up and he was like, oh, tank bro, tank bro, I, I love that list. Um like you, you need to beat the Necrons because I want to use it in the semi-finals. And um, he, he actually, um, he said like with that mission, I think you've got a chance. And um, I, I could go into that sort of conversation a bit more if you wanted. But uh, one of the things he said to me in the Necron game, it never actually happened. But he, he said, um, try and have your shield captain sort of lurking about within range of his home objective. And he said, just look out for him. Um, leaving some like having something non-obsec babysitting it if he pushes out and just look to like hop over with that shield captain onto his home objective and it would be uh like a massive turning point potentially mm. yeah i could definitely see that because that is uh, everything in the custodies are obsec so that's 
you know, 20 inch, I'm really tough. That guy is really tough if you want to go into yeah, that. Yeah, he's so um, tough. I mean, you did a great job in dogpiling him. And, and he could have been like a, a massive liability if you didn't. But he's like so tough that you can be really reckless with him. And he, he'll tank the world most of the time. Yeah, I've been on the receiving him of the receiving end of him before against John Lennon, and it's just I've tried killing him. It doesn't happen. Just accept it. Tie him up. He's obsec. So either tie him up not on an objective or put more obsec on the objective, which is what I did with the Brax. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that is a great point. Like he is unkillable, functionally unkillable obsec in a lot of games. Yeah, I love the way that the the captain operates because if you get him onto objectives early. Uh, even if you're not flipping them from your opponent, and mine did not, unfortunately, get to flip that objective for a couple turns, um, what you do is you draw out your opponent's obsec, where Nick was able to hold on to the objective that I, because turn two, I, I ran the shield captain over charge from Rax on objective, didn't kill enough to take it back, but uh, you know, I, I was there, and Nick had to deal with it, and that meant that he was feeding his obsec onto that objective for several turns in a row to keep me from taking it from him, and that meant that his obsec wasn't in other places and wasn't alive at the end of the game where he probably would have rather left it uncommitted and uh, just had it on turn five. Definitely, yeah. He is a problem, and even though he is answerable, the answers aren't great either way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very inconvenient to solve. <laughs> so um, I did have another question for each of you. I guess let's tank. Let's have you go first. Um, when you're designing the list, obviously, Wally Stan was a big one for your secondaries. Were there other secondaries you kind of thought this list excelled at or was built to do? Uh, so there's, there's quite a lot of options to be honest with you, um, the reason the the Death Cult Assassins, two units of two are in there, um, they're just uh, one command, one power level uh, per unit. So if if there was a game where I wanted to take uh, things, it, it plays really well if you want to take um, engage on all fronts and deploy scramblers. So if there's, it would have been terrible to take in the Drew Carey game and. Also, the Necron game, just because those armies can like screen out the whole half the table really easily. Um, but against more elite armies, it can be you can put a unit of sisters and two units of difficult assassins in um, strategic reserve um, and outflank them turn two and turn three. Um, and it can make uh, deploy scramblers and engage on all fronts like really easy to score well on. Yeah, that's a beautiful little tech piece there. And the two go hand-in-hand, deploy screamers and engage them off fronts. So in the games where they don't have many screams, like against other custodies or some space marine lists, take those ones. And then the games against like my Dark Deldar, well, John, you, you played that one. What was your thought process? Yeah, um, I very quickly decided that I didn't want to take deploy scramblers, but engage off fronts is great, You know, especially in the mission we played, which I believe was Vital Intelligence. Uh, just having units you know, go around, again, is that that's something that custodies don't really do well naturally where custodies do a set number of objectives very well, but then they don't do the ones that involve being all over the place. And sisters do the ones that involve being all over the place very well, but they don't do the ones that involve standing and not dying. And um, I just thought that was a wonderful complement of secondaries that you could achieve kind of with each detachment. Mm, yeah, the, uh, they're, they're a fantastic little um, little tech piece. The difficult assassins actually um, sort of borrowed those off a, a Polish list that I saw floating around. I really like them. Yeah, I've seen them. They become fairly common amongst a lot of top players just trying to exactly what you do, deploy some cheeky scramblers and engage in all fronts. They're also not bad for like early in those five objective missions, grinding a domination without having to commit a real unit, something like that. 
Yeah, and in, in um, the Necron game, I just um, just used them to zone out corners because I was worried about Vale into my backfield and stuff. Yeah, they're also great for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, just have a few um, units, very valuable. I guess the last question I have for each of you, uh, Tank, again, we'll start it off with you. Uh, looking back on your testing and, and Nopin and what the knowledge you've learned since, is there anything you were thinking of changing for this list moving forward? Um, yeah, I thought quite a lot, actually. Um, firstly, I agree it needs a bit more mobility. And although his moment shackles great, um, I think Trajan would be what you drop to find the points. Um, and I'd probably change him for either uh, another bike captain um, and perhaps split the durability buffs between the two. So perhaps the, they both had a free up invulnerable. Um, maybe one of them had the feel no pain. I'd have to figure that out. Uh, the alternative. I figured, just just thinking on that to help you out. I figure that I like that idea. Then give one three up and feel no pain, and give the other three up for one more CP. Um, but that way you can still be reckless with your one, and the other one will still be your while we stand we fight. Oh yeah, that's a great shout. And uh, so that would be one option. Another one would be you could drop Trajan for. You could actually have three Terminators if you wanted, but I don't think that's the answer. I think you need the mobility. Um, I've not studied the points of them, but uh, perhaps a unit of the um, the Flying Custody boys. I forget what they're yeah, called. Yeah, the Venatari. Yeah, Venatari instead of uh, Trajan could be another good call. Right on. All right. John, what do you think about those ideas and any other ideas you have of your own? Ooh, so I actually kind of struggled to cut Trajan Valoris. Uh, he, he's just a champion. Uh, I love his how he contributes to the command points. Um, and I also like that he's a Wally Stand to fight because he costs more than that captain. Um, I was actually really hoping to uh, maybe increase some of the, the damage output from the sisters' attachment. Now, um, a lot of this admittedly is in hindsight of codexes that have come out since the list was written. But um, I would love to just see like an extra multi melta here and there on the. Um, on the various, uh, you know, retributor squads. Yeah, you um, know what, John? Um, you, you said you wanted more multi-melters, and I actually disagreed with you in the interview after the, the game, but I can fully get behind more multi-melters with, um, with more Martys floating and around in our future. Yep, absolutely. That's just the way that uh, Dark Angels and, um, you know, De- Death Guard are coming in, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a lot in part two as well. Um, that, that's kind of what I wanted was just a little bit extra multi-melters, uh, just, you know, at least one unit that has just three so that you've got, um, a better unit to put some of the, the CP buffs on when you need to. And obviously this isn't going to happen every time, but, you know, things like the one CP reroll to wound, uh, against a Psyker, um, or, you know, if you're going to buff the range and damage of a unit, which is a lot of CP, but, you know, one of them's free with Trajan if you keep them. Um, I wanted to have at least one unit that was upgunned so that uh, I could get a little more return out of those buffs. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. You could have one unit that's like a, a full fat for multi-melter unit. Mm-hmm. You could even um, have two units with one multi-melter in because the way the rules are written, one girl can fire three times with a cherubs, can't she? She certainly can. So that, that could be uh, interesting to explore because they're, they're yeah, a just... useful... A useful little unit in their own right, just running about after the cherubs are popped still. Yeah, absolutely. You know, still just having a multi-melter floating around with Miracle Vice that is still absolutely deadly. Um, but other than that, um, I actually really like Trajan. So I was, I frankly kind of want to keep him just because he adds to your command point count without taking any command point resources because he naturally has a 3 pin 
Um, but the bike captains are so fast that ha- having a second one would not have felt bad. I, I could certainly say that. So I can I can certainly see the appeal of uh, getting that in there. Yeah, no, I do I do like both of those ideas, more sisters output and uh, custodies bike captains. So sounds like there's a lot of different ways we can approach these this list and try to evolve it. I think one thing that'll be really telling is the individual matchups on how each of those are going to be approached. So in our next episode, part two for patrons and for Art of War website subscribers, you can download it now on the website as well, uh, theartofwar40k.com. We're going to move over to part two. That's where Tank and John are going to walk through their approaches to different matchups, both in the list design phase from the theory level and the uh, kind of playing phase from the layout level. So check it out, and we will see you all later. Bye, everyone. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.